0: I want to talk to you today about a very quick topic, and i touched on it before, but I want to bring some new depth to it. I was, I was over the course of the week, I was mentioning it earlier, I was listening listening to some CDs by Joyce Myers um, based on the book of James, and one of the things she talked about is the power of the mouth, the power of your words, and how much you create an atmosphere, whether negative or positive, with your very mouth. And uh, we know more people hurt by words and bound up by what people have said to them than Actual physical abuse or mental abuse. Isn't it amazing that you can hear about something, but when a loved one tells you something like, you know, they've been unfaithful, or they done robbed you or stole from you, it hurts so much more when you actually hear the words. It's something about words that make things a reality. What is it when somebody dies, you have to call their family to make sure it's true? Or one of your friends from, tell you, oh, your boyfriend was doing this and you got to go find out from the horse's mouth, right? Because you want to find out what it is. Your words can kill people. Your words can keep people bound up. And I guarantee you, at least 70% of the people in this room are bound up by words. Don't be super saved and say you're not. You're bound up by things that people have said to your life. You're still bound up by your ex boyfriend your ex girlfriend You're still bound up by all your little high school friends who hurt you. so many people still bound up by all these things. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. It says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. Verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Somebody say, no man. No man. You need the help of God Almighty to tame your tongue. Some of us, when we would say, we were just curse words like crazy. It's funny, the Christians, when you talk to somebody who came to God, one of the hardest things for them to overcome is how they talk. How much they used to cuss. How much they used to swear at people and do all these types of things. Come on. If we as a church make a decision to change the way we talk to people, the way we hurt people with our words, we will have a church that cannot be stopped. A church that will never stop growing if you can tame your mouth with the help of God. If you can tame how you look at other people. I was just talking about it on Wednesday. It's one of the hardest things in the world. When somebody walks by, you want to say something about how they're dressed? You want to say something when some girl comes out with her belly half showing. And it's all just a bunch of rolls. You're like walking down the street. What is she thinking? What is her problem? Did she look at the mirror when she came out this morning? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like y'all say don't want to laugh. When they wear the real tight pants and they got no business wearing them, they got more rolls than Chavez Bakery, you're like, good God, what are they doing? If you can tame that part of your tongue, 48 years old thinking they're 16, take that off in the name of Jesus. <laughs> If you can tame your mouth, I'm going to just start carrying, like, extra women's clothes in my car or something. And, you know, here, put this on. This is for you. I don't want to talk about you. Just cover up, cover up, cover up. If you can tame your tongue with the help of God, you will change your entire mindset. How many of you by the show of hands and say, it's really hard not to talk about people? It is really hard used to have this customer that came into the store on Boston Avenue, I worked at CVS, and and there was this thing about this lady that she had an odor you can smell from four to five aisles over. They called her the cat lady, and everybody ran in every direction. I'm ashamed of myself that not once I offered her some help. I just walked away from it. She was that repulsive. We always talked about it, but I look back now and say my words. what Your words could have helped somebody. We're too busy passing so much judgment, we fail to realize our words can bring life. The Bible says life and death. It doesn't say death and then life. It says life and death. Come on, I want you to analyze yourself right now. Have you been hurt by somebody's words? Are you still holding on to the hurt by somebody's words? Have you allowed somebody, have you allowed anybody to be, make you a prisoner in your own body, in your own heart, in your own mind because of their judgment of you? And how they declared it. Come on. I remember I was talking just the other night. I was talking with Danielle, And I was talking with Daniel, Melvin, and a couple of people. And it was quite humorous. Let's not get distracted by a crying baby. That baby's words are bringing a lot of... But <laughs> better stop now. I was, I was reminiscing with my cousin here about when we used to watch movies when we were young. And as you know, my parents were super strict. I saw more movies at school than I saw at home. And that's the truth. So, when they would say something, you know, we would be watching the, maybe whatever movie it was, and they would say, Damn. And all those kids would get self righteous because we wanted to keep watching the movie. So, I wish they wouldn't have said that. <laughs> it would have been such a good movie without that D word, Dad. I remember I used to do this oh, again. ¿Por God, Dios? Porque. <laughs> and then we would all slowly look at our parents. Like, are they reaching for the remote? Are they reaching for the remote? Most of our TVs didn't have remotes. Our parents didn't believe in that. They were old school. We had the... We, 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 my grandmother's house, you ever had those box TVs that were in a big wooden box? Remember you had one of those at your house? Yeah, no, 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 just a big box. It was like a big, like a furnace, but it was a TV. And every time they said a bad word in the movie, we were just like... <gasps> Man, I wish they didn't say that. It was like strike one. By strike three, you knew it was going off. And there was like certain words. Even though curse word is a curse word, we had certain levels of cursing. And once you heard that word, you knew that movie was coming off. But our parents realized the power of words into our lives. More dictators and brilliant generals have captured their country's faithfulness and loyalty through their very words. Their very speech. You Think of someone as, a, as Adolf Hitler. He was one of the greatest orators of all time. He was one of the smartest people of all times. Too bad that it was just a very twisted, demented genius. The way he was able to take over half the known world. Isn't it amazing? Hitler killed over 50 million people but only lost 8 million himself. I find that ironic. The power of his word spurred his entire nation into action. The Bible says, with the tongue we praise the Lord our Father, and with it we curse men. We've been made, who have been made in God's likeness, and out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Cannot both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring provide fresh water. Out of the same mouth that we're singing on church and Sunday, we're cursing God with the same mouth. Talking about our one another, cursing towards one another who are made in God's likeness. The Bible says this cannot be a house divided against itself, cannot stand. The Bible says let every word that falls from your mouth edify the hearers around you. Are what you is what you're saying going to edify me? Is what you're saying going to edify the people around you? Or have you covered your life for Christ? Or have you allowed yourself to be hurt? James chapter 3 verses 3 through 6 says this. It's one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal. For those of you who don't know, a bit is a small metal piece. It's just like a small cylinder about this tall, about this wide. And it's put into the mouth of the horse through the reins, and the reins are pulling on that bit. And you can pull that horse left, or you can pull it right. You can tell it to go, you can tell it to stop. And verse 4 says this, or take ships as an example. All there, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the course of his life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. Did you you grasp that? You think of a, a ship like the Titanic. And the Titanic had a rudder just about the size of this podium, this pulpit. And this rudder about this size directed the entire ship as to where it would go. Your tongue is directing your life in the way and the path in which it will go. And if you do not tame your tongue, you will find yourself lost, hurt, and confused. 50% of the time, the reason people talk about you is because you talked about them. We have to take the tongue. Where is your tongue taking you? Ask the person next to you, where are you going with that tongue? Where are you going with that tongue? Do you share the characteristics of the image of God that your mouth creates life? Or are you letting yourself be a vessel where the enemy is being able to infiltrate your mouth and bring down curses? Where is the music you are listening to and then reciting at your house? Where is that taking you? I find it so funny. Everybody's talking about the VMAs and all the craziness that happened at the VMAs, all the stuff that Kanye West did, but I didn't watch it. I saw it on YouTube, Pastor. I wasn't watching that. And then, oh, Jack Black said a prayer to Satan. We saw that, but we, we just heard about it. That's what it was. We heard about it. What are you listening to and watching? Was it funny to you what they did or was it hurtful that someone was able to speak against God or speak against a fellow human being in the fashion in which they did it? How is your life being directed? Are you hurt when you hear curse words? Are you uncomfortable when you're hearing somebody swear around you? Or is it simply okay? Do you not set a standard for your friends? The same standard you set for your life, you should have for the people you hang around with. You should not sit there and say it's okay for so and so to do this, and I'm gonna do it this way, though. I'm gonna go God's way. I don't care if Emma and Heather cuss around me. Because I'm living for God. What they do is on them. Where is your tongue taking you? For too long we've spoken ourselves into prisons. For too long we've downed ourselves. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not this and I'm not that. The devil doesn't even need to do no work in your life because you're doing it all yourself, binding yourself up, building walls around you and building a prison around you every step of your life because you don't know how to speak life instead of speaking death. Young ladies letting young men talk to you any which way they see fit. Letting them tell you that you're so pretty and beautiful, but the moment they don't want you, you're a skank or you're a whore or you're something else. And then you don't talk to each other because he was dead wrong. You were were wrong in the first place for letting him in. You got to guard your tongue. You have to guard. Somebody said guard your tongue. You have to set boundaries as to what you will allow yourself to even think. How many of you are still hurt by the words of your parents? Brothers, sisters. Parents never thought you were good enough. You touch your parents didn't love you. They never told me I loved me. Come on, words are a powerful, powerful thing. Come on, I know we get a response for this one. How many of you are still hurting from the words of your ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-wives, ex-husbands? And you can't talk about it because it still hurts. But I'm saved, I'm free, I'm sanctified. But I'm still hurting from the roots that other people planted in my life. I know people hurt by school teachers, said you're never going to become nothing. You never be nothing but a drug dealer. You never be nothing but a dummy. And we've allowed these people to speak into our lives. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you put into perspective the words that you're speaking have life and death in them. I heard something interesting this week. Anybody ever heard of the autobiography of Hitler, Adolf Hitler, called Mein Kampf? He wrote this book while he was in prison for a a revolt. This was before he became the chancellor, then the the dictator and fuhrer of, of Germany. He wrote this book, and he dictated this book to his apprentice while he was in jail. Back in, I believe it was 1928 or 24, one of the two. This page in this book was 720 pages long. They did not have big print back then. It was all about size 10 font on your Microsoft Word document. 720 pages of his ramblings of just his socialist views, his Nazi parties, how the Jewish people were, were horrible, how anybody outside of, the, outside of the Aryan race were horrible. He believed that just people with blonde hair and blue eyes, which he didn't even have, were superior to everybody else. And it was their God-given right to have everybody else work for them. And he said that we would benefit from working for them because we would be able to work with somebody superior to us. So we should just let them take over us. His words in this book brought him to power in Germany. Just three, four, five years later, after he wrote this book, he saw himself steadily rising as the leader of the German nation. For every word in this book, 720 pages, size 10 font, even every A, I, and the, in the book, 120 people died in World War II. For every word in that book. To put that into perspective... 69 million people died in World War II. Russia alone lost 23 million of its citizens because words kill people. China lost 21 million people. We thought the United States was a lot by losing 497,000 people. You put into perspective 23 million, 20 casualties in the millions. That was a, for, for, for actually, for For Russia, that was one quarter of their total populace in the country. Are you realizing how your words in the future might kill somebody? Hitler thought he was just writing a simple book, but he was writing a blueprint to destruction. I have here that Denmark, Denmark is a very small country. They lost three million people. Three million citizens and soldiers alike. Iceland, another very small country, lost 2 million. Germany only lost 8 million people in that war. Poland lost 5.5 million. Israel, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, lost around 6 million people, and they weren't even fighting in the war. Japan lost about 1.2 million people. Wars... Started by words. Are you listening to me? Are you hearing that your words can literally kill somebody? When the people read this book, it just, it rose up in their spirit the same way the Bible should rise up in your spirit. And they took on the viewpoints of their leader the same way we should take on the viewpoints of Christ. Everything God did for you, everything God woke up in you, you should let it live and breathe through you. Every word in the Bible that you read, it should become living waters in your life. Anybody ever heard of Roe versus Wade? Roe versus Wade was the, the first abortion court case. The first court case about abortion. I was thinking about this and I was talking to someone this week and Abortion is such a plan of the enemy. Back in January 22nd, 1973, a judge said it was a woman's right to have an abortion or not. I remember a story that I heard from my father and my mother of an abortion doctor who was doing abortions. And right around the time where the ultrasound came out, he had already done over 100,000 abortions, something in that vicinity. And as he had done all these abortions, he saw them. For the first time, this baby on an ultrasound monitor. And as he stuck the utensils in to grab the baby, he saw the baby try to fight back. He saw the baby's legs squirming. And back then, they had the utensils that would just go piece by piece, cut the baby up while it's still inside the womb. He saw one leg, then two legs, and he began to cry while he was actually doing it. And before you know it, he was completely done, but he never did another abortion in his life because he said, it's too much for me. That's murder. <laughs> Would you believe? 42 million babies since then have been killed. And that's just in our country alone. 42 million precious children. As Deanna holds Eva in her hands right now, as Kashea holds her child in her hands. Could you imagine piece by piece, taking these babies apart. But this judge, through just a few words, made this a reality. He made it a possibility. I realized something about abortion. Abortion is not only an attack on our children and our generation, it is an attack on the manhood of America because it completely excludes the father's rights. Call me crazy. When you put it into perspective, they're trying to emasculate the men in this country. You wonder why. We don't have a choice in the children's lives. We don't have a way in which they can grow up. Young men, if you ever get somebody pregnant, don't let them get no abortion. God forbid. Don't sit by on the wayside and and say, it's up to her. She might be doing me a favor. No, you stand up and you say, I believe in pro-life. I believe that as a child, that it can grow to be a pastor, a preacher, a doctor, an evangelist. It can grow to be something bigger, something greater than of myself. Can you realize that? Do you see that? They call Connecticut a mother state. I'm not knocking the mothers. I love you guys. It's the mother's sake because they have all the rights in the lives of the children. Children need a mother and a father. They need that stability. They need a father's correction. The saddest thing is when a couple breaks up or or it's just, you know, it was a one-time thing, got somebody pregnant, and they fight over how to discipline the child. And the mother doesn't want, don't hit my son, don't hit my daughter, don't hit him, no. And they shelter, shelter, shelter. We have to say, you know what? The Bible says you spare the rod, you spoil the child, so beat him. It says if you spear the rod, meaning you don't discipline your kids, you're spoiling them. There was no time out when I was a kid. Go to the corner, time out. Okay. We just painted it. It looks great. I'll go. Time out. Who does time out? Judy does time out. Kyle sits in the corner playing with his car. You don't care. That's not true. Put your cars down. It's amazing. My parents hit me. I turned out okay. (laughs) You look at the difference of kids that were disciplined, disciplined when they were children, versus kids that were not. Go to these public schools, these single parents who are raising their children by themselves and don't have either the time that is, or don't know what's going on in half of their lives. These kids are running the streets. We thought enough to take prayer out of schools, and then we wonder why there's so many school shootings going on. How is that? I heard it said in an interview by Billy Graham's daughter, Emmanuel sent me an email this week, and it was an awesome email. And the email said this, that a reporter on CBS early morning show said to Billy Graham's daughter, how could God let Katrina happen? Billy Graham's daughter said, well, we can't exactly blame God. We've been telling him to get out of our schools, out of our courthouses, out of our cities and the states. We've been kicking him out of our homes. So now you're going to get mad at God for being a gentleman and listening to you? Come on. Don't blame God when something goes wrong. Find out where you did not let him in. You find yourself broke, find out where you should have spent that money right. You let God guide your finances. You find yourself pregnant, you know what? You shouldn't have done nothing then because God should have been first in your life. Come on. Can we talk about it today? When you find yourself in a mess, I, I, I know somebody who got their license better because they were drunk driving. She was mad at the court. Why are you mad at the court? You totaled your car. You got drunk. You did that. Nobody else did that. We get upset at the situation, when 99.9% of the time, you are the cause of your situation. Can I get an amen? amen? Psalms chapter 19, verse 14, and I'm almost done. It says this, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May my words and my unspoken thoughts, the things that nobody knows, the stuff that we do not want to know. God, let it be pleasing to you. April 2nd, 1855, Edward Kindle walked into his shoe store. And he began ministering to the shoe clerk. And I researched this because I heard it on a CD. And he led Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And for some of you, that's not much. But back in 1855, Dwight L. Moody was the single greatest evangelist who ever came upon the face of the earth. He led hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. And he met God in a shoe store. Because somebody decided to let their thoughts and their words be pleasing to God. Psalms 141, verse 3. Y'all should write this one down. Psalms 141, verse 3. Read it at home. Read it every morning. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. How many, some of y'all need like 24-hour guard. You need like century 21. You need like some, you know, the whole, the whole motion detector, everything over your mouth. The people shaking their heads are the worst ones. No, I don't, Pastor. It's a step-by-step process. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> set a guard over my mouth. Set, a, somebody say set a, guard. set a guard. Over my mouth. Because I do not want to hurt nobody. That's what it's saying. I don't want to kill nobody. I don't want to be the cause of someone's hurts. I don't want to go the wrong way. You're listening. Keep watch over the door of my lips. God, watch over my lips, God. Because sometimes I know that I cannot control it. James said that we cannot control the mouth. We need God's help. You can't do this on your own. If you know how much you've been hurt by words, and don't hurt other with words. If you know how much damage is done to you, Psalm 17, verse 3, one of the greatest scriptures I read this week. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. That's the latter half of that verse. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. He said, I am making it a purpose in my life. There's a purpose to why you go to work because you get paid. There's a purpose as to why you do things because there is a payoff in the end. He says, I am purposing my mouth not to sin so that I know that I shall be rewarded for my life not sinning. Come on. Last scripture of the day, Psalms 39, verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with the bridle while the wicked is before me. Oh, he says, wherever I'm at, even when I'm with the wicked people, when I'm with the sinners of the world, when I'm hanging out with people that aren't Christians, God, I'm going to set my mouth right so that I can be an example. Because I know that I've been hurt by words. God, I know that I have been hurt by words. You've been hurt by words in your life. Come on. He said, God, I know that I need an extra touch from you. Come on, stand with me right now.